When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? My name is David E.J. Berger. You can find me at Carl Jr. on Twitter. And welcome to Training Camp Dialed In. I'll be featuring phone calls with NFL writers and reporters from the actual sidelines of camp, getting their first-hand accounts of the action from a fantasy perspective. This is the place to be all month long, so you need to subscribe to the Fantasy Authority feed, the exclusive home of the super short-run, super niche, and super essential podcast for the month of August. And we are back. We are back. This podcast is coming out at a fast and furious rate. A couple episodes ago, I introduced Dylan Dave got some positive feedback on that so I thought we'd check in on him what's up Dylan Dave hey everybody this is Dylan Dave coming to you live from WFFB your 24-7 fantasy football radio station and home of the hits you need in the morning all day after work coming up we're still running up that hill with Kate Bush thank you stranger things we'll also be talking some Tyreek Hill after the break coming at ya but first dire straits wants their mtv and i want my double digit round sleepers money for nothing coming at ya oh there's down then dave i don't know if they'll return again what are we doing here i don't know you gotta have fun it's a whole month of doing this and let's get to why we're here we're here to get the inside scoop on these training camps and we're headed to hotlanta the atlanta falcons Yes, that's right. Kyle Pitts content is on the way. I dialed up William McFadden. You can find him at Will McFadden on Twitter. He's a writer for the Falcoholic, SB Nation's definitive source of Atlanta Falcons analysis. He's the host of the Believe in Falcons podcast on the Believe Network. This guy knows his birds, and he's about to deliver the definitive guide to the 2022 Atlanta Falcons. What are we waiting for? Let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, William McFadden. Hey, David. Hey, Will, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for speaking with me. Yeah, no problem. Fantasy drafters are, are salivating for inside scoop. Any any nuggets to help with their draft? So this is uh, a valuable phone call we're about to have here. Appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know how many Falcons are going to end up on people's teams this year, but happy to provide any assistance that I can. All right. Well, let's talk about this team a, a, as a whole first. We do have Arthur Smith remaining as the head coach, but we have a kind of a new look offense here. So I'm going to, you know, I normally like to go over the numbers from last year, but we're tossing that out a bit. we got new personnel. we got a new quarterback. we got a new rookie receiver. From what you've seen in Herding Camp, how is this offense going to run as a whole in 2022 uh, in terms of scheme, formations, tendencies? We're going to see a lot of a lot of three wide receiver sets, pass heavy, run heavy. Just give us an idea of how this Falcons offense will run in 2022. Yeah, so, um, you know, the Falcons last year actually ran, I think, the highest percentage of 12 personnel of any team in the league. And I think that this, this past year, this past offseason, we've seen the league as a whole start to 
to kind of transition more in that direction. I think that's a natural reaction to some of the defenses around the league kind of going back to those two high, four high looks to really stop some of the passing offenses. So the natural um, transition offensively is, okay, well, we're going to start to bully ball you a little bit more if there's lighter boxes. So I think the Falcons were a little bit ahead of the curve with that last year, mostly because of necessity, because of, you know, the attrition that they had at the receiver position. But I think that that's going to continue to be the case this year. Obviously, a lot's been made about the Falcons going big at the wide receiver position. I think part of that is to help the offensive line. I really think that you've got a number of players, uh, tight end Kyle Pitts, rookie receiver Drake London. You know, they traded for Brian Edwards. All three of those guys have kind of the size and ability to play tight to the line of scrimmage. So even if the Falcons aren't in a lot of true hand-in-the-dirt tight end formations, one of the things that Arthur Smith did incredibly well his first year in Atlanta, I think, was manipulate personnel groupings in unique ways to get defenses kind of off balance a little bit. So I think you're going to see a lot of kind of receiving options out on the field at any one given time, but the way that they use them could be different play to play. So it was not uncommon for them to be in what would be considered kind of like a 22 personnel grouping with two running backs on the field, Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson last year. And then, you know, Kyle Pitts and, you know, whichever other tight end they wanted to have out there, Hayden Hurst, you know, we'll say, and usually it's a big jumbo package, but they would go five wide with Matt Ryan alone in the shotgun in the backfield. So I really think that the offense probably is going to continue to adapt and and mold throughout the year. But Arthur Smith is going to be creative. He's going to certainly use all of the weapons at his disposal. But if you ask about the biggest change, and I'm sorry it took me so long to get here, it's clearly the running dynamic that the quarterbacks present. And we've seen that so far in the preseason. We've seen that so far in training camp. And that is going to be a huge new element to this offense. Well, let's talk about that quarterback room next. Uh, Marcus Mariota comes in. Uh, you know, he's had a couple years away from being the guy under center, under the spotlight uh, as that QB one. I would say that rushing. You know, you mentioned the rushing upside. I would say that was really how the Raiders used him a lot. Uh, so it makes sense that it's transferring over here in Atlanta. But there's a lot of people who think Ritter, Desmond Ritter, the rookie QB, is going to come up and snatch that job from Marcus. Uh, he looked pretty good in the preseason game. You know, how has Marcus looked, and and do we expect him to? to be that starter all year is or is the door open well i think that marcus is clearly going to be the starter to begin the season and the really tricky aspect here is just how long of a leash does he have what kind of plan does the coaching staff have in place like is it truly a leash is it truly saying okay well you know we're going to give you some free reign here until you get yourself into trouble and at that point we will consider you know, looking at the new guy, or do they already have a plan in place where it's more of a countdown timer and they know, hey, when we get to week eight, that is kind of when we plan to put the new guy in and, and see what Desmond can do. All of that, obviously, the coaching staff is, is not going to reveal uh, to somebody like me or, you know, to really anybody outside of that building. But that is the key question, I think, when it comes to fantasy football, right? Because Given Marcus Mariota's propensity to run the ball, and that's something that we saw, in in my opinion, I saw a little too much of it in that first preseason game. I'd like to see him move the ball a little more consistency or consistently with his arm, which he made two great throws on 
the one drive that he played against Detroit, which was a scoring drive, but he ran the ball a lot as well. It still seems to be his default mode. That's great for fantasy football. We've seen a player like Jalen Hurts, you know, the, the last couple of years, while he's grown as a passer, his legs have sustained really, really high fantasy floor for the quarterback position. Marcus Mariota could be that same type of player, but that doesn't do you any good, and he's not worth drafting if he's only out there for six games. Desmond Ritter, I would say, probably has the higher passing upside as a player, and while he can certainly run the ball, you know, we saw him break off a 20-yard run and then a 19-yard run in that first game, he doesn't seem to default to that as quickly as Marcus Mariota does. I think that it's going to take still a little bit of time for Desmond Ritter to get kind of these reps to be really comfortable in games, but his start was awesome. His start is is kind of what you wanted to see. His accuracy numbers are still not very good. There were a few drops there, um, and the coaching staff will tell you that they directed him to throw the ball away at times, but still, you hope that you see that improve kind of in the second preseason game, and then we'll see what kind of run he gets in the third preseason game. Right now, all signs point to Marcus Mariota being the starter come the start of the season. And if he plays a full year, or even if he plays most of the year, I think he's actually going to be a viable fantasy quarterback. It's just really, really hard to tell, you know, how long he's going to be able to hang in there. And then I wouldn't trust this first year. I wouldn't trust Desmond Ritter to, to really be on anybody's lineup. Um, but I think that the real life implications so far people are really optimistic about what Desmond Ritter can be could he be you know a franchise QB is there is there talk of that uh, you know he he doesn't have the draft capital and uh, none of the none of the QBs in the draft really do but uh what is the long-term outlook for Ritter could he win that uh that job as the franchise QB you know the the number one thing that I always look for when I am watching a rookie quarterback kind of in the preseason is decisiveness Right. Because that that's something that you it just you have to have that bare minimum ability to know where you want to go with the football in the NFL and where you really start seeing some of these young players get into trouble is when they're second guessing, when they're kind of just taking their their check down option really early in the progression because they things are just moving out there a little quick for them or they got off their read and then they're they're not knowing where to go next. Desmond Ritter didn't really have any of that in that first game. He knew where he wanted to go with the ball. And when he did, he planted his feet and he fired it in there, which is a great, great sign. I think that, you know, leading Cincinnati to the results that they had the last few years as a quarterback, I I do think that means something. And I, I think that the praise that we've heard from the coaching staff about Ritter is that he has come in. He's been ahead of the curve, learning the playbook, getting up to speed. It certainly looked like that. Uh, during the first preseason game, he was making some checks at the line of scrimmage. He was adjusting um, the offensive line and making some blocking calls. So that is all really good and, and really um, encouraging. The only thing that you know, I think we still need to see with Ritter, and, and this is with all rookies, is just consistency. It's just he's got to not have these little periods where the accuracy wanes. It looked like in kind of the third quarter of that first preseason game is mechanics got away from him a little bit. So it's all just really fine-tuning. But I I think that there's certainly a chance that Desmond Ritter becomes, you know, maybe somewhere, and this is going to sound negative because of, of just the last impression that a lot of people have of this quarterback. But I think he's 
somewhere between like a Baker Mayfield and the best, best case version of this could be like Dak Prescott. Like he's in that type of realm to me where maybe the floor could be like what Baker Mayfield was there in Cleveland, but Baker had a good year there um, when he was not banged up. So I think we're looking around that now, which version, which side of that Desmond Ritter lands on ultimately is up to him. But I think that, I think there's some potential here if things really go well his first year that, yeah, he could be at least a short-term answer for this organization. Well, there's a lot of dynasty gamers that listen to this podcast, uh, so they appreciate the Ritter outlook. Pretty great stuff there. Let's move on to the running backs next. Uh, Correll Patterson was a legit league winner last year. You probably got him off waivers. Behind him is Damian Williams, uh, rookie Tyler Algier, who people are relatively excited about. (laughs) Uh, They're interested in him, at least. Interested in him. Mm -hmm. He caught my eye at BYU a little bit last year, too. Uh, How is this room going to play out? I mean, is Patterson, you know, was that going to be a true outlier year last year? year do we expect a little bit of a repeat what's up with these running backs in atlanta yeah patterson uh is is very interesting the team has used him very very little in training camp in preseason i think he got one snap in that first preseason game you know he's been out here in the middle of practices going over and signing autographs with the fans like they they are giving him the full full veteran treatment here in training camp and i think that they realize as did probably a lot of fantasy owners last year who had Cordero Patterson, that second half of the season, he was not as effective as he was in that first half. And I think the Falcons are are really trying to keep that effectiveness going throughout the entirety of the 17-game the schedule. Um, so they are giving him a lot of rest right now, which is allowing some of these younger guys the opportunity to establish more of a role. Damien Williams is somebody who the team has praised early and often as, as a leader um, and, and kind of a veteran in the group. So I think he's pretty safe from a roster standpoint. But you talk about um, Tyler Algier, really physical. Um, you hear the pop of the pads when he makes contact. He often has great contact balance, so he stays through the tackle um, and can pick up a lot of extra yards. I, I do think that there is a hope that he can maybe emerge as their early down kind of workhorse. But you also have a guy like Quadri Allison, who I think has had a really good camp, especially of late, um, and had a really strong preseason game. He's improved in a lot of areas, and this feels like a little bit of his last chance here in the NFL. And then Avery Williams is another player who I will throw out, who is almost in the same vein as Cordero Patterson. He's obviously a return specialist who they moved from actually cornerback to running back this offseason, but the way they've used him is almost more of a just hybrid type of receiver running back option. They've put him out wide for screens to him. They've given him the ball in the backfield. He's made some great cuts. It's clear that his vision as a returner is going to be a huge asset in the backfield, I think, in a very similar fashion that uh, Cordero Patterson's has been. So he is somebody who, you know, dark horse, I don't know if, if I would – draft him in drafts or anything like that. I I would just maybe stick a a little flag emoji next to him and and put him on the watch list. Maybe dynasty drafts, like he might be more valuable just um, in a a couple of years. But he's somebody that I would just keep an eye on because I think that he could emerge certainly late in the season with a little bit of a bigger role in this offense and one that could be pretty impactful for a fantasy player. So that's, that's a little bit of a breakdown of the running back position. It's pretty deep. 
here in Atlanta, there's not really a true go-to guy and Patterson's role is going to be a hybrid one like it was last year. So that's something that I don't think it'll be a committee, but it's something that I would watch for the first like two, three weeks to really see what the pecking order or if a pecking order emerges. So we're writing down Avery Williams' name. I'm writing it down right now, Avery Williams. Uh, we're keeping that in our back pocket uh, for the future. Maybe uh, a DFS slate down the way or our dynasty teams. Well, uh, let's talk about these pass catchers next. Uh, people are very excited about Drake London, the uh, talented first-round rookie draft pick. You mentioned Brian Edwards, and listen, there's a Brian Edwards hive out there, okay? The, <laughs> the Brian Edwards hive is buzzing. And then, uh, you know, Alameda's Zacchaeus is a, a guy who's had pop weeks, especially for DFS. Um, and then Frank Darby is a guy I near and dear to my heart. I, I liked watching him at ASU. So uh, how, what should we expect from this wide receiver room? Yeah, I, I think that the clear top three and, you know, I, I know that Drake London suffered a, a little minor knee injury. Um, in the first preseason game, um, I don't think he's going to play the rest of the preseason. I think a lot of that is probably preventative in nature. They just don't need to see anything more. He's fluid. He's smooth. I think some of the concerns um, about his ability to separate were always a little overblown. I think a lot of that had to do with you just looked at the number of contested catches he made at the college level. And people were saying, well, if he can't get open at the college level, he's not going to get open at the NFL level. If you look at the rest of USC's offense, I mean, he was kind of it for them. So I think that was more of a product of a lot of players just keeping eyeballs on Drake London and then sending waves of, of defenders in his direction to, to just prevent him from getting the ball. But he's looked really fluid against some good defenders for the Falcons. And he should, by all accounts, be the X receiver in this offense. So he'll get a lot of targets. He's going to be running, I think, some of the deeper routes, but he's also good behind the uh, line of scrimmage. So I think really, really going to be a strong player um, in PPR leagues. The only really question I think here will be touchdown numbers, but that's the case for all of Atlanta's offense. So Drake London, I think, should easily be the number one receiver. That's not a surprise. Then the the two and three, as of right now in my book, who will be probably starting in your 11 personnel sets are going to be Brian Edwards and Alameda Zacchaeus. Um, Zacchaeus has kind of the speed to be that deep threat. Coaching staff, I think, really likes his ability to split the middle of the defense. They trust him. Um, so he's still going to be that home run threat. Sometimes that can be tr- tough to trust in a fantasy format, you know, because there's going to be days where he catches three balls for 122 yards and a touchdown. There's going to be some days where he catches one pass for seven yards. Um, so it's going to be a little feast or famine. The Brian Edwards bit, I'm really curious to see just what they have in mind for him uh, role-wise because he missed the first preseason game with a little bit of a, uh, a shoulder injury that he sustained kind of early in camp. But, you know, is, is he that Mohamed Sanu to Julio Jones that the Falcons had there for a little while? Is he, you know, a little bit bigger of a piece of this offense? Do they want Drake London doing some of those underneath things and, and sending Brian Edwards down the field? Like, he's going to be a little bit of a wild card here. So that's something that that I don't have a huge read on right now, solely because we haven't seen him in a preseason game yet. Uh, but he is very intriguing because I'm I'm right there with a lot of the Brian Edwards highs. I think he's really really talented, um, and at times he really does flash that talent. So hopefully he puts it all together here in Atlanta. Kaderil Hodge is another um, player who I think has a a good chance to earn a spot in this rotation. And then Frank. 
Frank Darby, Demir Bird are two other guys that I will mention. I think I think both are a little bit on the outside looking in right now. Frank Darby has had a good stretch of camp here in the last maybe week or so, but he has not panned out the way I think a lot of people were expecting when he was drafted out of ASU, which you know seems to be a little bit of a tendency of ASU receivers recently coming out in the in the NFL draft. Some notable cases, yes. A little bit. Um, so, so Frank Darby maybe kind of could be lumped in there, um, unfortunately. But I I do think there's going to certainly be more interesting players on this receiving core for Atlanta than there were last year, which, you know, hit with injuries left and right. But this is a deeper group. It's a more versatile group. And I'm high on it. This is valuable information, Will. We're burying the lead a bit here, okay? We have a real fantasy headliner. His name is Kyle Pitts. People are excited. I'm excited. Everyone's excited. He's the man. Let's give the people what they want, Will, with some hardcore Kyle Pitts talk. Feel free to just go crazy about Kyle Pitts right now. <laughs> Kyle Pitts, he's been awesome. Um, I mean, he he has been uh, in really the only matchup that that seems to be giving him trouble at all, or you know, not even really giving him trouble. That that just seems to be even a matchup is is against A.J. Terrell, which this is a tight end going against one of the best corners in the league. Kyle Pitts wins half the time, A.J. Terrell wins half the time, and honestly, both sides feel deserving every time. Um, and so I think that Kyle Pitts really is motivated in year two. I think he's unfairly heard a lot about the the one touchdown last year. I, you know, I, I don't think tight ends are... are you know, the, the most in control of their own touchdown production, but he has clearly worked to establish himself in year two as like a premier weapon in the NFL. And I think that from a fantasy perspective, tight end, it's no secret. It's, it's one of the more shallow positions. I think that Kyle Pitts really could end up with the best value among the top tier of, of players. I think he's got true, true breakout potential in his second year. And I'm saying that about a guy who topped a thousand yards last year. There, there really is kind of no ceiling, I think, for Kyle Pitts at this point, because he's just been playing so well this preseason. It seems like his head is in the right space. And most importantly, I think he's just going to be the safety blanket for whichever quarterback is in there. Um, it, it's going to be a, a situation where he is the unquestioned, all right, if I need somebody to bail me out, I'm throwing it to the 6'6 tight end who can run like a racehorse and, and jump like Julio Jones. Like that, that's just going to be kind of the answer, I think, when the Falcons, you know, when the clock is running down on the test and they just need to start circling some things on the Scantron. Like that is going to be Kyle Pitts all day long and and he's deserving of every ball that gets thrown his way because he looks really good out there i love it well this is what we're here for (laughs) (laughs) awesome all right man well this has been amazing uh i have one last question uh it's a bit of a toughie though well i'm gonna make you put yourself out there what's your what's your boldest fantasy prediction for this atlanta falcons team in 2022 oh wow um that that's a good one all right, let me. I'm gonna say that. All right, if I'm going, if I'm gonna go bold, I'm gonna say Marcus Mariota ends the year as a top 15 quarterback in fantasy. And obviously, that comes with a huge caveat of like he's got to play enough games to, to even put himself in contention. But if he does, let's say if he plays 15 games this season, I think that the rushing production will be there to really give him a high floor each and every week um, 
for the fantasy season. All that, all that is a question in my mind is just how many games does he get? But if he does get enough, then I, I really think that he's got enough value um, in this offense that is going to be kind of catered a little bit more to his skill set to be a pretty viable low-end starting quarterback. Will, you've said it all about this team. Where can people find all your stuff? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Simple enough. I am also the host of the Believe in Falcons podcast. Wherever you listen to any of your podcasts, um, with my co-host, uh, Ovi Mahaley, who is a former All-Pro fullback in the league, and all of my written stuff can be found over at The Falcoholic. Awesome. Well, he's a one-stop shop for all things Falcons. Uh, give him a follow. Check him out. Uh, we're going to be you know, keeping tabs on this backfield for sure. So uh, thank you, Will, once again, and have a great season. Yeah, David. Thank you so much. Anytime, man. Marcus Mariota, discount Konami code QB. You are now dialed in.